0: It's a real joy to have each of you in services today here at Grace Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles, and if you don't, you need to be ashamed. It's going to be all right. We'll get through the service after a while. We always like to start out with an, in, an attention getter. The book of Galatians, chapter number 2, verses 16 through 21. The reason I open my messages with that statement. And there is a reason for it. I did that the first time I ever got up to preach. I told a little handful of people at Front Street Baptist Church in Roxburgh, North Carolina, would you open your Bibles? Do you know why I do that? I don't do it to fill up time. I do it because it doesn't make a hill of difference what I think. And it doesn't make a hill of difference what you think. It's what God says in his word. Now, if you go to church your entire lifetime only to sit And only to listen and don't bring your Bible with you and don't follow along in the scripture, you're getting a diluted message. It is so important that you see that. And you know why it's important? Because only God can make you see that. The importance of the Word of God in who you are and what you believe and what you do and what you do not do. We're not here to entertain, we're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you don't do that without the Bible. Got to have the Bible. In the book of Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 through 21, two weeks ago I spoke to you on the subject of believing faith. This morning I want to speak to you on the continuation of that under the caption and title of behaving faith, behaving faith. And we're going to use the same basic reference that we used two weeks ago, Galatians 2, 16 through 21. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed to make myself a transgressor, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live under God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and watch this carefully, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I hope you understand and realize and that it's not too early on Sunday morning ...to make this statement. You have a living body... ...and that body lives. And it lives day after day, week after week, month after month. And that's the body that Paul is speaking of... ...when he says, and the life which I now live in the flesh. He's not talking about carnal Christian living... He's talking about the kind of life you live in the flesh, in the human body. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Verse number 20, verse 16, two weeks ago. Verse number 20 today, the life which I now live in the flesh, and that's what I want to talk to you about as a church and as the pastor today. The subject of this passage of scripture, which I've just read for you, is saving faith. This is how people become Christians There are not a lot of different ways. There's only one way. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father unless he comes by me. So saving faith is what we're considering. And Paul presents two biblical aspects of saving faith. I shared this with you two weeks ago. But to repeat it, there is believing faith. Believing faith. In verse number 16, we call that justifying faith. And it deals with who I am. Believing faith. I am a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus. I am a Christian, not because of what I do and the things I refrain from doing, but I am a Christian because I believe, and that word believe, means to have faith in, I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've been justified by faith. Verse number 20, however, talks about behaving faith. I call that persevering faith. It's the kind of faith that keeps you from quitting It's the kind of faith that keeps you from getting so despondent you just give up on God and give up on the church and give up on holy living. Something keeps you going. What is that? It's behaving faith. Now these two things, believing faith and behaving faith, are coexistent. You cannot have one without the other. They're always joined together. You say, well, I'm a Christian. I know I've trusted Christ as my Savior. How have you been behaving lately? Because if you don't behave like a Christian, most likely you never have been saved to start off with. It builds on the premise of I've believed in Christ as my Savior, therefore I am A new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. I've come to believe, dear church, that many churches today hear a message like this You are free. And the Lord's made you free to go out and live your life and enjoy it and do anything you want to do as long as you trust Jesus as your Savior. No, it will alter your lifestyle. You will not be the same person you were before you were saved because something's happened inside. What has happened inside? Christ has come into my heart and he's come into my life And thank God I'm not what I used to be. We're talking about believing faith, but we're also talking about today behaving faith. On October the 31st, 1517, almost seems like yesterday, doesn't it? A German priest in the Catholic Church marched down the streets of Wittenberg, Germany. His name was Martin Luther. He walked up to the doors of the church and nailed his 95 thesis or his 95 protest objecting to the doctrinal and practical abuses of the Roman Catholic Church. And when he did that, it created a hailstorm. The Roman Catholic Church taught and practiced that the forgiveness of sins could be bought with money by the sale of indulgences. In buying such indulgences, the sinner could go out and commit certain sins which were covered by those indulgences, and God would not charge those sins against him. But you had to go to the priest and buy them to have a good time out in the world. The Roman Catholic Church taught that members could have their dead loved ones prayed out of purgatory if they put enough money in the coffers at the church the Roman church furthermore taught and practiced the act of penance toward the forgiveness of sins. That if a sinner would perform certain acts of penance, such as being whipped or crawling around on pieces of glass, then his sins would be forgiven. It was clear that Catholicism was established on a works Salvation basis. The more Luther studied the Bible. The more problems he had with the teachings of the church. It climaxed one day when Luther read from the Bible. The just. Shall live. By faith. And it was while Luther was climbing Pilate's staircase on his knees. Doing penance. That the words of that text exploded in his soul. The just shall live by faith. He got up from his knees never to crawl again. Luther came to realize two things about living by faith. Number one. It means that judicial life begins in the believer upon the exercise of faith. Judicial life begins the moment when a believer believes and trusts in the exercise of faith to Christ. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And it also, number two, means dependence upon God by faith for all the believer has to face in life once he's been justified by faith. In verse number 20, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life which I live in the flesh, I need to ask myself a question this morning. And you need to ask yourself a question this morning. Is the life that you're living in the flesh, are you living it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me? Having begun with believing faith, let's continue with behaving faith. The text in verse number 20 is very clear. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's notice First of all, the body in which faith resides. The body in which faith resides. He says, the life which I now live in the flesh. Paul lived in a body before faith came. I hope you'll agree to that. Paul was not born as a baby, already a believer in Jesus Christ, but he did live in a body before faith came. He lived in a body after faith came. Just because he was saved on the road to Damascus did not mean he stopped living. It means he really began to live after he trusted Christ. Paul lived in a body before faith came, he lived in a, in, in a body after faith came. It was the same body. It was the same body. Wasn't a redo over the old one. It was the same body. Therefore, you look at this as the body before conversion, and that's B.C., not before Christ, but before conversion. And then you look at the body after conversion, which is A.C., Not after Christ, but after conversion. Same body. If you had migraines BC, you will most likely have migraines AC. If you had a problem with certain things physically that were beyond your control... Before your salvation, you will have most likely those same conditions in your body after you come to Jesus Christ. Same body. Not a different body, same body. If you had physical problems BC, you will most likely have physical problems AC. Faith resides. In a body, and the flesh in which I now live, and the flesh which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Faith resides in a body. Even when you come to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, faith still resides in a corruptible body. I'm reminded many, many times during every day I live, I ain't there yet. I still have a corruptible body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. It means until the day you die, you live in a corruptible body. And being saved, my dear friends, has nothing to do with that. You have a body that is corruptible, and I do too. Faith resides in a corruptible body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You won't do that until you die. And then that's when a change takes place. Faith not only resides in a corruptible body. I hope you're getting this. Faith resides in a dying body. You say, well, I, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Wonderful. You're still dying. The body in which you live is a dying body. Romans seven twenty four. 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who said that? The Apostle Paul. O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Thirdly, faith resides in a sinful body. B.C. and A.C. as well. Faith resides in a sinful body. Romans 7.18, Paul said, I know that in me... That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now, in my opinion, the Apostle Paul was perhaps the greatest Christian I've ever read anything about. But yet he said, as a believer, I know that in my body, and he specifies it, that body, that is my flesh dwelleth no Good thing. Faith resides in a temporary body. We're not going to always have these bodies as we know our human bodies are. It is a temporary body. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 22. As in Adam all die. After 930 years Adam died. After 969 years, Methuselah died. I do not know how old you are. And that's a question most of my adult life I learned not to ask, especially women, how old are you? But it matters not. One day you're going to die. And faith resides in a weak body. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 43. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. There are many words, there are many adjectives that you could use to describe a corpse at his funeral But that's the weakest he'll ever be. But one day he's going to be raised in power. The body that faith lives in. This is the body which faith resides. In which faith resides. Let's look number two at the behavior of the body. In which faith resides. If you are a Christian, you have a body in which faith resides. The behavior now of that body in which faith resides. We're talking about believers, not the Catholic believers. We're going to talk about the Baptist believers today. Is that all right? All believers. The behavior of the body in which faith resides resides. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, The life I live by the faith of the Son of God. Faith brings about a change of behavior in the body. Let me say it again. Faith brings about a change of behavior in the body. In the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 We talk an awful lot there and read a lot about the subject of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's one definition. If that's too theological, try this one on. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. And if you do not act like it, it is because you don't have saving faith. Saving faith is believing what God says and behaving like it and acting like it. And the scripture says in Hebrews 11, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then he runs down the list. By faith, Abel, verse 4. Verse number 5, by faith. Enoch, in verse number 7, by faith Noah, in verse 8, by faith Abraham, by faith Abel did something, he behaved. How did he behave? He offered unto God an acceptable sacrifice. How did he do that? Why did he do that? Because he had saving faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God. How long did Enoch walk with God? Three hundred years. He lived sixty-five years and begat Methuselah, and from the day he begat Methuselah, he began to walk with God until he was three hundred and sixty-five years of age. By faith, Noah moved with fear and prepared an ark. He didn't do it until Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. I hope you're seeing something that happened to these people that changed their whole attitude about things. And that is, by faith, they were justified. And because they were justified, their behavior began to indicate they had been justified. By faith, Abraham, what did he do? He offered up his only son, Isaac. That's behavior. By faith, Sarah received strength to birth Isaac over 90 years of age, but she believed God and acted like it and gave birth to Isaac. By faith, she did that. By faith, Rahab received the spies with peace. By faith, these all received a good report card. That's the way Hebrews 11 ends. to all strive to make sure we have a good report card. For one day we'll stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it'll either be a well done or I've never knew you. Faith brings about a change of behavior in the body. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. If you walk by sight, continually walk by sight, then your behavior is not going to indicate walking by faith. You can't walk by both. It's either by faith or by sight. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, and isn't this interesting, what he wants you to present? That you present your traveler's checks. No. That you present your investments. No. That you turn over your checkbook. No. That you present your Bodies in which faith resides a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and don't be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. You know what that says in the Greek? It says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and to save time because two messages ago when I spoke on the believing faith, I pointed out James chapter 2 verses 17 through 26, faith without works is dead. You may be an excellent vocalist. You may be a remarkable musician. You may be a person with great leadership abilities, but my dear friends, you don't know beans about saving faith unless your demeanor and lifestyle is changed. Faith changes you. Faith produces good works. Paul walked by sight before conversion. How did he get along in life? Well, he had two good eyes and he was a very intelligent individual. He made some good decisions that most individuals make, not spiritual decisions. But he had a good head on his shoulders. But he walked by sight before conversion. You read about that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Paul says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Now, the context there is, I've noticed a lot of people have a whole lot of confidence in the flesh. I want you to know i got a bunch of confidence in the flesh also. I'm not following you, and I'm not subordinate to you. I'm good as you are. I can do what you can do. That's what he's saying. For though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I the more. Paul said that before his conversion. He said, I'd have you know I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel and of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and is touching the law. I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal and persecuting the church Touching the righteousness which is in the law I was blameless I was so good because I was keeping the law He said that before his conversion Paul walked by sight before his conversion Now Paul walked by faith After his conversion Listen to the same man in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, beginning with verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, earthen vessels, he's describing his body. You live in an earthen vessel and so do I. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm not near as important as I used to think I was because God did something to me. He saved me and justified me by faith and I want to behave like I've been justified by faith. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God In the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure. In earthen vessels. Not in the local bank. Not in the stock market. We have this treasure. What treasure is he talking about? Justification by faith. We have it in earthen vessels. Our body. That the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. Now watch The direction of his statements, contrast them with how he talked before he was saved, and lay it alongside of what he said when he came to know the Lord. He said in verse 8, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. He said that as a believer, justified. Always bearing about in the body. Ted, Paul had a lot to say about his body, didn't he? Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For. We which all live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That's my body. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed... And therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore we speak. Paul said, something's happened to me. I'm not what I used to be. Something's taken place in my life. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. This is so good. It's like Baskin-Robbins ice cream. You just can't eat one bowl of it. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For this cause we faint not. Believers don't faint. Believers persevere. That's what behaving faith is. It's persevering faith. For this cause we faint not. For though our outward man be renewed day by day, for our light affliction, Paul went through so very much persecution, he called it light affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And on top of this Sunday, he puts a cherry. And the cherry says this in verse 18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you know why people give up? Because they're looking at what their eyes can see, and they're listening to what their ears can hear, and they're going to the places where their feet take them, so they give up. They give up. They quit. And sometimes it gets so bad. Sometimes it gets so bad that they go to the extreme of taking their life because they have nothing to live for. While we look not at things which are seen, we're not supposed to look at the things which you see because faith is seeing the unseen. You can't see it with the naked eye, but we know it's real, and that's where faith comes in. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul walked by faith before his conversion? No, he walked by sight. Paul walked by sight after conversion? No, he walked by faith. He looked to Christ alone. Number three. How faith affects the the behavior of the body. How does faith affect our behavior? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. How does faith affect our behavior? Let me mention some areas in which the believer lives by faith. If I might. In resisting temptation... And God in heaven only knows the many different kinds of temptation there are today. You say, well, there are a lot of temptations for young people. Let me tell you, there's a lot of temptations for old people as well. And God will enable you, through faith in him, to resist those temptations. First 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Everybody else has temptations too. Don't think you're the only one the devil's working on. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith Notice the world doesn't overcome the believer the believer overcomes the world how does he do it by faith by faith Here is another area in which the believer lives by faith In the supplying of our needs. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, most of my ministry, I misread that scripture. Until one day, God opened my eyes and I've corrected that. I don't read that scripture that way anymore. The scripture says, but my God shall supply all your needs. No, it doesn't say that. It says, my God shall supply all your singular need, N-double-e-d. He's talking about one particular need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I made a caption here in my notes, laziness is not included in this promise. A man who does not work, he ought not to eat. You're welcome. Faith is seen to operate in times of danger. In Psalm 29, verse number 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Ah, that's good, isn't it? You can't buy peace. It's a gift of God. In Isaiah chapter 12 verse number 2 Behold God is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid But you got to trust If you don't like being afraid Full of fear I will trust and not be afraid For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song He's also become my salvation Are you listening to this? In Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isn't that great? Don't have to go to bed tonight worrying about Joe Biden. Isn't that good? Oh, you're welcome. You're thinking about not voting right when you voted, don't you? You ain't seen nothing yet. You're welcome. Let me continue. Psalm 56, verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 112, 7, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. his heart is fixed trusting in the Lord no one in Mother Frances Hospital (coughs) was any more shocked than Dan Cozart when they told me that I had heart disease and began to spell out what was wrong with my heart Grace is a heart fixer. And I don't care what the problems are. Grace is a heart fixer. No wonder he says in Psalm 4 verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. (laughs) Oh my goodness. For thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Faith works in times of trials and tragedies in life. And God knows if we live long enough, we're going to face some trials and we're going to face some tragedies. In Job chapter 1, verse 21, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I've never quite understood that. How in the world could he say that? All of his ten children killed the same day in the same way and had ten funerals for them and said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I'm not there yet. And I imagine there may be some of you that are not quite there yet that your problems handle you instead of you handling your problems by faith in the Lord. I'm talking real to you today, my dear friends, from my heart to your heart. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. In Nahum 1, verse number 7, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Don't you love the last part of that? He knows those who trust in him. Let me tell you something. God knows how to pick out counterfeits. I mean, We might have everybody else fooled, but we can't fool the Lord. Can't do it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, Be content with such things as you have. Now, I do have problems with that. You don't, but I really do. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. That's faith. Isaiah 43, verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with thee. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Faith is operative in times of impossible circumstances when it seems there's no way out. Brother Cozart, nobody understands how I feel. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody hurts the way I hurt. Nobody knows my pain. In times of impossible circumstances when it seems there's no way out, Job said in chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, I still trust him. My, my, that's faith. Faith's behavior In Acts 27, verse 20 and 25, Paul was on a ship and it looked like that the storm was going to tear the ship apart. And Paul went down in the bottom of the ship and began to pray to the Lord. And he says, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Paul said, looks like we're all goners. We're all going to drown to death. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. I've been talking with the Lord, and God says, it's going to be all right. Lester Roloff said, I just come, I've just, well, I, I can't even think of the words of it. I've just, what, Brother Roger, and everything's all right now. I've just, yeah, that's right. Where did Lester Roloff? What caused that faith in the Lord? In times of old age, in case we've missed some of you this morning in this audience, I'm including this, okay, because we want to hit everybody while we can. In times of old age, what are you going to do when you get old? Get older. Times when we face the loss of income, times when we face the loss of health, times when we face the loss of a spouse, the loss of insurance, times when we're abandoned by our children. In times of old age, Psalm 71, 5 and 18, David said, For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. Now also, when I'm old and (laughs) gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power unto everyone that is to come. Lord, don't let me die until I've convinced everybody it's going to be all right. If they're in Christ Jesus, it's going to be all right. Psalm thirty-seven 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen the righteous. Now this one's hard, folk. Nor his seed begging bread. And I am not judging. Please understand this, church. I am not judging many times the people sometimes I see on the street corners begging for food, begging for a job, begging for help. I just know this. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's a good promise. You don't have to beg the public you have to plead your case before the Lord he knows he knows and finally in time of death and that time usually gets here before we're ready for it and then we have difficulty getting ready for it Job 19 verses 25 through 26 for I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Isn't that great? Stephen was persecuted because he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ And the congregation picked up stones and threw those stones at him until they beat his brains out and killed him. But just before he died, he said, Wait a minute, fellas. I see the Lord. (laughs) Just excuse me a minute. I can't die till I get this testimony. Pardon me, fellas. I don't mean to slight you enough, but I see something bigger than you are. I see the Lord. Standing at the Father's right hand. I want you to do something for me right now if you would please. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to conclude the service.